Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Summer is a busy and adventurous time for our children, and unfortunately, some accidents and broken bones are going to happen. And with school just right around the corner, we know fall sports are about to be starting, plus uh, playground accidents and everything that is to come with that. So today we have orthopedic surgeon Matt Miller on with us. We're going to be discussing common orthopedic issues in growing children as well as sports injuries and anything else related to orthopedics and children you want to discuss. So give us a call. Share your comments and questions with us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Summer is a busy and adventurous time for our children, and unfortunately, this could lead to accidents and injuries, including some broken bones. And school's starting up soon, and fall sports will be right around the corner. So today, we have Dr. Uh, Matt Miller, who's an orthopedic surgeon, on with us. He's going to be discussing common orthopedic issues in growing children, as well as sports injuries and anything else related to orthopedics in your children that you want to discuss. As usual, we'll be taking your calls and comments, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So today, as I said, we have Dr. Matt Miller on. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he is very familiar with broken bones, or fractures is another word for the broken bone that we um, commonly use in the medical term- literature. Um, and fractures are very common. It's actually the fourth most common injury that we see among kids under age six. Uh, and it's usually caused from kids playing, falls. Um, but there are also some other causes like car wrecks and things like that. But um, since it's the summertime and we have lots of adventurous kids, uh, we were going to talk some about broken bones. So, um, Dr. Miller, if you could tell us a little bit about what to ex- why would you think your kid had a fracture? Like, what is something to be looking for? Because kids fall all the time. Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, Morgan, thanks for having me on. Yes. Um, Glad to uh, have you. We, uh, you know, it's definitely a very, very common injury. Um, and we usually see it and have a, um, you know, a history or a story that says a kid fell um, and, you know, commonly in the summer, beginning of school, trampolines, um, uh, monkey bars, uh, swing sets. Um, typically, the, uh, a child will not want to use their arm uh, or, or their leg or whatever uh, area of the body's injured. Um, they don't want to use it. They'll have swelling. They won't want you to touch it. They're guarded. Um, those are all signs that you, that you know something's going on and, and, and might need to be checked out. Um, Again, it's it's very common. Um, I mean, we see multiple ones every day in the ER. Uh, it's definitely not something that um, you know should people will be concerned. Um, but it can be treated, and most kids do extremely well uh, once they if, you know if they need treatment and, and they get treated. Yeah, 
Exactly. And like you were saying, kids usually do really well. Um, most of the time, kids don't need surgery like adults do, Correct. right? Yeah. And the, I mean, I can throw out a random percentage, but usually children just need uh, immobilization um, with a splint or a cast. Um, usually they'll be in a splint for a period of time, which is a, um, a cast that is made to allow for the swelling um, so that you don't uh, have pressure problems from the, the, the cast itself. Um, and usually at two, three weeks, they're switched over to a more cast like people typically think about. Um, and if kids do need um, something more than just immobilization, usually it's just a manipulation, uh, meaning we can do it under light sedation or local uh, nerve blocks to align the bones, put them in a splint or cast, um, then three, you know, usually about three months in a cast, on average, shorter for younger kids um, uh, than than they're they're doing well without having to have a have a big surgery like people think about. So right, exactly, yeah. And the reason um, sometimes when you have a fracture, a lot of times it's just a small little thing, and like you said, you can just put it in a splint. Sometimes the bones do get out of line, though, right? And that's when you would have to set it and then put it in the cast correct uh, and most of the time if it has to be set that can be done in, in the uh, er uh, or emergency mm-hmm. department um, it's not necessarily that you have to go to a uh, to surgery to have that done um, you know on the rare occasions you do have to take them to the to, to the operating room just to provide sedation um, and then we're able to align the bones put it in the cast or splint and then we follow back up with them in two or three weeks uh, to see how they're doing take another x-ray um, a little longer in the cast or we start switching them over to a removable splint. Um, and, uh, you know, typically kids, you know, most kids at six weeks, they're feeling great and tired of the cast and we just keep them in a little longer to make sure everything heals appropriately. So, yeah, kids are pretty resilient and their bones are too. So thankfully, um, so what should a parent do if they, if they think their kid has a fracture, if they see their kid not really using their arm or walking, um, what's something that they can do at home before they get to the ER? The um, it, probably the biggest thing is just immobilize it. Um, if if you have a prefabricated splint or something, you can put on. But honestly, just a, a soft pillow, um, keeping the child comfortable, um, is is probably the number one thing. Uh, and just be be calm about it. Um, if it's a subtle fracture and. There's not a deformity that you notice, then um, you know they're, they're going to be fine with the pillow. Getting them to an urgent care or or an emergency department, um, and then and getting them treated. If there is a deformity, I would. It's a little more urgent. You probably need to get them in a little quicker. Um, probably, uh, you know, again, urgent cares a lot can can usually take care of this. Um, uh, and if you know, um, if you're close to the emergency department, definitely, you know, a, a pediatric emergency department or most all emergency departments can, can handle these type of injuries. Yeah. And some t- sometimes you can actually see the bone through the skin, um, like he was talking about. And you can see some deformities other than that, too. But if you see the bone through the skin, I probably should go to the ER, not an urgent care. Yeah, yeah. If you definitely see it coming through the skin um, or bleeding around the, around the, a deformity in the in the in the bone, uh, the way the arm looks um, or leg, um, you know, put some damp gauze on it. You know, wrap it up um, and get to an emergency department pretty quickly. Um, those are a little more urgent. The risk of infection goes up. Um, again, luckily, kids are resilient, so 
we usually can give them some antibiotics. Um, we'll wash out the, the, uh, the, the laceration in the skin, set the bone, um, have them take antibiotics for a few weeks, uh, and, and they usually heal, heal really well from that too. But it can definitely be a little more um, scary to patients and families if, if that happens. Yeah. So we have Dr. Matt Miller in with us. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, we're talking all orthopedic issues and with your children. So give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So, yeah, a broken bone can be a scary thing, but um, usually kids do pretty well with it. What would you say are the most common breaks that y'all usually see? Yeah, so um, kids, are, in terms of their fractures and the most common ones, it's, it's kind of broken down into age groups, and each age has a different um, uh, incidence of fractures. But in general, the most common ones are going to be of the forearm um, or of the uh, of the wrist. Um, and uh, most of these, again, like we discussed earlier treated with immobilization in a splint um you know maybe or may not have to do some manipulation to get the bones in alignment um but typically those are the ones and it's uh the classic fall from a monkey bar or off a trampoline um and they they they'll you know have a deformity in the middle of their forearm or at their or the, the uh closer to the wrist um uh those are the the you know, most common. Um, and then younger kids at that kind of two to five year age, uh, theirs is more near the elbow. Um, and those can be a little tougher, uh, in terms of treatment. Um, and most of those probably should go to an emergency department. Uh, if a, if a two year old or three year old who can't really tell you that their arm's hurting, um, they're holding their arm kind of by their side and then you notice some swelling or they won't let you move it. Um, uh, and you suspect that something happened, um, then you, those probably need to be seen in an emergency department. Yeah. And so what are, um, if your child gets a cast, uh, you know, there are some things that we need to look out for, you know, like watching, making sure that they still have good perfusion, um, making sure their their hands and feet are still warm if it's in their distal part of their body. So like the the lower part of your arm or the lower part of your leg. Um, so what are some things that you would be concerned about with a cask and why, why do you need to keep an eye on that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, kind of going back to, uh, the reason we put splints on initially, uh, is to allow for the swelling. Uh, anytime you have a fracture, you have swelling. And one of the biggest things that we get concerned of is, is creating pressure inside the cast. Um, and with that, you can have compression of the nerves, um, or the, or the, uh, vessels, uh, for, for blood flow. Um, so we, you know, we're putting a cast on, um, if, if we're doing it or a, a trained cast tech is doing it, um, then we're really, um, cautious and pay attention to the blood flow where we're putting the arm, um, to make sure that we don't uh, affect any of those things. And something else in, in terms of cast, uh, is we get asked a lot of times about waterproof casts. Everybody wants a waterproof cast mm-hmm. and there are materials that we use that provide, um, the ability for the cast to get wet, um, the the problem with those are is that if there's a bend in the cast, so a cast that goes over the entire arm or uh, goes over the ankle and you have a bend in the cast, even though the material is um, made to withstand water, you can still have water that sets in the cast and you can have skin that gets you know, damaged or uh, softened um, uh, and kind of the, the pruny skin that you get. And then it's inside a cast. You can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um 
and and that those can be a problem. So waterproof casts are not um, uh, they're, they're not a, a kind of an end all summer solution to allow your kid to swim with a cast on, um, uh, and especially if they have a big bend in them. So um, cast care is important, uh, and it definitely. If you have a problem with a cast, uh, then you need to, you know, make sure you're talking to your doctor's office to make sure there's nothing that needs to be done because it can cause problems too. Yeah, especially during those first few days after the cast is placed. Yeah. Need to be keeping a close eye on that. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll continue our discussion about children and orthopedic issues right after this break. Give us a call with your questions and comments at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we have orthopedic surgeon Dr. Matt Miller in with us, and we're discussing common orthopedic issues in your growing children, as well as sports injuries and anything else related to orthopedics and children you want to discuss. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. Please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org. So earlier we were talking about fractures or broken bones in kids. Um, now we were going to talk a little bit about sprains. So we were actually talking during the break that, you know, kids don't really, little kids, young children, don't tend to get sprains really. It's more of our um, preteens and teenagers that tend to get sprains. Why is that? Correct. The um, <clears throat> Excuse me. As um, kids are growing, they have their growth plates um, uh, towards the end of each of each bone in their body and those transitions between kind of the middle part of the bone and the end of the bone uh, and where the growth plate is is soft and that um, line uh, in the bone is softer than a lot of the ligaments or tendons that are around the joints Um, so if a kid a young child has a a traumatic force or even a even a pool um, where the the joint is deformed, a lot of times that ligament will actually pull off the end of the the bone versus uh, tearing the ligament or tendon, which is what a a sprain is. Um, And and a lot of times, you know, if if you have a young child, less than six, and they say they've sprained their ankle, um, that's really should raise a little red flag. It may be more of a a fracture of the growth plate um, and should be treated a little differently. Um, versus a 
15, 16 year old, I mean, they, they can sprain their ankle. Yeah. So like he was saying, a, a sprain is an injury to the ligament, which are the um, what connects bones to bones. Um, so it it's different than a fracture because a fracture is an injury to the bone itself, whereas the sprain is more to the ligament. Um, so what would you expect with a sprain? As you as we talked about earlier, it's it's going to be an older kid. Correct. Um but some of the symptoms are kind of similar. Yeah, so they can be very similar. Um, uh, they might not want to put weight on it. They can have swelling. You can have uh, some bruising, some pretty significant bruising too. Um, uh, you know, tender to touch, um, tender to, for them to move it, um, and um, those are probably the most most common things. Again, with a sprain, there's typically an injury associated with it. Sprains don't happen uh, without some type of uh, traumatic injury most of the time, um, and uh, and they can be treated uh, pretty easily uh, with some early immobilization. In a in a if it's severe, we would put it in a splint so there was no movement for a week or two. Get them out of that pretty quickly. Put them in a boot, a walking boot of some sort, and then start physical therapy. Um, and you can have sprains in multiple areas of the body as well. It can be. Uh, ankles probably the most common um, uh, it can happen in the the knees wrist um, um, are probably the most common places for kids in, in early adolescent yeah yeah the real I mean the ankles I feel like we see I saw an ankle sprain two days ago actually in clinic it's it's very common because um, most of the time it's just you stepped wrong and twisted it um but we see it a lot with kids like particularly basketball i feel like um in the winter months i see a lot of sprains from basketball players that go up and jump and come down wrong on their ankle yeah basketball soccer um are very common um and the good news is is there if 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 a child has continued pain it's not getting better um usually a sprain feels better a couple days so if if they're still having pain in a few days you just get an x-ray make sure there's not a fracture and then you can start therapy and some limited mobilization to 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 kind of get them over it. Yeah. And so we, we kind of have a little mnemonic that we use for um, sprains, what we do for sprains, but RICE, which is rest, ice, compression, and elevation, because um, you get a lot of swelling with a sprain, and that can yeah. take a few days to go down. Um, so definitely rest, like we were talking about, ice in it. Ice is really good for swelling. Some people always ask a lot about, do I put ice or do I put heat on it? But if it's swollen, ice, ice is what you use. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then compression. Why is, why, what is compression? Like what kind of things can they find at the local pharmacy store? Yeah, you can look in uh, Walgreens or CVS's, Walmart's, uh, any, any place that carries some, some uh, home medical uh, supplies. You can get um, elastic braces. You can get um, stirrup braces, which have um, on the inside and outside of the ankle, it'll have more of a plastic firm um, shell to kind of help protect the ankle. Um, and usually if the sprain is severe enough, uh, then you normally do have to have one that has some structure to the brace, not just an elastic brace. Um and then also, if, if it's a brain severe enough, then there is probably a, a very, uh, you can get a lot of benefit from doing physical therapy, too, to strengthen uh, the the, uh, the muscles around the injured joint so that uh, you can help prevent um, sprains. Um, and that's probably, 
that's probably as important as the immobilization and rest and time off is, you know, getting that muscles and tendons around the, the uh, joint strengthened so that uh, you can try to prevent injuries in the future. Exactly. Yes. Because if you once you've sprained your ankle, you're more likely to re-injure it Correct. again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So there's some braces and different things like that that they can use going forward to help not only physical therapy, but braces once you start back to activity to help prevent re-injury to that, just to create some stability to that ankle joint. Correct. Um, And I would definitely recommend that if you do. Uh, We have Dr. Matt Miller in with us today, orthopedic surgeon, and we're discussing common orthopedic issues in growing children and sports injuries and anything else orthopedic you want to talk about. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So another hot topic in orthopedics is um, what we call overuse injuries. Um, Or, you know, we see this a ton in our young athletes and kids getting burnout and injured um, from focusing so much on sports. Um, So the AAP actually has some strong uh, recommendations for that and um, trying to prevent injuries in kids as they're growing and um, getting more advanced in their sports. So it's really important to rest the kid um, because I I feel like most of the um, complaints that I get in clinic from parents when kids come in complaining of knees or foot or um, arm pain, um, most all of these are going to be related to overuse injuries. Um, And a lot of times it's from sports, um, particularly uh, the big thing that we always hear about is baseball and elbows. Um, but it, it really can go for any sport too. Um, so it's not just limited to baseball. Um, so, uh, rest is very important. How much rest should they really be getting? Yeah. So, um, like the, uh, uh, AAP, uh, recommend, uh, recommendations are, are on, um, they are, they agree with what the orthopedic societies recommend and, and, uh, Pediatric has their own pediatric orthopedics has their own uh, kind of uh, governing body where they present scientific research um, called the Pediatric Orthopedic Society of North America. It's shortened for POSNA, P-O-S-N-A, um, and they have a really good website. It's www.orthokids.org, um, O-R-T-H-O-K-I-D-S.org, and um, a parent or, or a child can go on there and you can look at different types of injuries and sports injuries uh, and they can give you information about uh, a lot of this stuff. Um, but they recommend, uh, um, you know, one day off a week uh, with, with, you know, no um, activity uh, that's uh, the same as an activity you're doing. So if you're practicing pitching and you pitch you know, six days a week, then that's seven day, you need to do something else. So we encourage activity. We just encourage you to change up the activity and what you're doing. Um, and then uh, a total of about three months off from a specific sport every year. Uh, that doesn't have to be consecutive. We would recommend, you know, taking, if you play baseball year round, you know, take a month and play basketball or do something different. Um, on personal biases, a, a kid should probably play multiple sports until they get uh, older, which, well, they actually recommend that as well is you shouldn't specialize uh, into a particular uh, uh, sport until you're 15 or 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so young kids need to be doing different activities um, because the different stresses on the bones uh, change their development and it will uh, 
uh, we see changes in kids' shoulders who have pitched from the time they're seven or eight years old. So there's some benefits in uh, doing different activities for sure. And it makes them a well, uh, more well-rounded athlete as sure. well. <laughs> sure. But, yes, definitely you're trying to prevent them from having any overuse injuries. Looks like we have a caller, Craig, from Biloxi. Go ahead, Craig. Activity or exercises or stretches to reduce strain and broken bones? Yeah, so stretches is is a really is probably going to be your most important thing to um, prevent broken bones and sprains. Um, you know, you can I would say probably stretching your legs is going to be the biggest thing, but you you need to make sure you're doing stretches on your arms, which can be a little bit more difficult to do. But it's real easy to do some stretches um, for your legs just by um, you know keeping your feet together and bending over to touch your toes. It's going to stretch your hamstrings some. Um, and you can spread your legs apart if that's a little bit too hard, you know, kind of make it a little triangle. But that's that gives you a good hamstring stretch, which is one of the more important ones to do, I would think. Um, and then quads, too. So the quads is the front part of your thigh. Um, and that's another important one to stretch as well. Um, an easy way to do that is to um, stand on one foot hold on to something because you may lose your balance a little bit, but pick your knee up and um, bend it and hold your foot back. Um, And that's a really good stretch for the quads. Um, So I would say those are probably two of the more common, most common ones that we recommend doing because, um, oh, and stretching your calves too. So just, you know, putting your hands up against the walls and um, stepping back and stretching your heels and your calves a little bit. Um, Right, right. Because, I I mean, I would say probably more common complaints, especially as you get older, is going to be knees. Um, So strengthening and stretching those muscles around your knees is very important. Yeah, definitely. And it can also be um, it can be sport dependent. Uh, so if if you're playing a lot of baseball, there's a lot of bending over. Um, so, again, the kind of your core, uh, your abdominal muscles strengthening, um, you know, lower back strengthening exercises um, and then hamstring quads definitely uh, will, will help prevent injuries. Um, and then upper extremity uh, it, stretching the rotator cuff, strengthening the rotator cuff. Um, uh, there can be a lot. And if, you know, if a kid's playing predominantly their sports soccer, um, then they uh, need to be shown appropriate core strengthening exercises. Um, uh, And and I say soccer because it's male and female uh, uh, kind of equal in terms of the number of players. Yoga yoga would be, in line for this yoga would be great sure yeah 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 Yeah, and i feel like a lot of professional athletes actually do a lot of yoga and pilates Pilates, um, which are different core strengthening and stretching um but yeah yoga and pilates are great definitely okay i think i'll hit the yoga mat (laughs) (laughs) well you have to let us know how that goes okay thank you thanks craig uh, we're talking today about orthopedic issues um, with kids and adults, too, Matt. Uh, Dr. Miller takes care of both uh, kids and adults, so give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So we were talking about overuse injuries and um, how to prevent those, and rest is going to be the biggest thing. And, um, you know, kids are starting uh, select sport teams earlier and earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are even some baseball teams that do select <laughs> sports at like five, which is kind of crazy. But um, so it's the rest is very important. And it's it's good. Make sure you go in and start that early, too, um, in their their sports career. Yeah, definitely. 
So a couple of things, too, is, you know, before they do participate in any sports, um, they need to have a pre-sports physical. That's another big important thing. And and most of the junior highs and high schools um, where they're going to be playing sports are going to require that. But it's really important to get in, to talk to your doctor, um, let them do a full exam. Um, Part of that exam is looking at the different, you know, their arms and their legs and the mobility and their joints. Um, making sure they haven't had any previous injuries because that's important to know, um, especially for the future, and to counsel the patients on what to do, um, especially concussions, too. That's included in this part of the injuries and things that we talk about in that pre-sports physical. But it's very important to make sure that you get your um, pre-sports physical before you start any activity. Yeah, in most places, uh, most orthopedic clinics um, or um uh, orthopedic groups will have a have a physical day. Most of them, uh, I, I know all the ones around Jackson have a have a day a year that they open the door and it's it's you come in. They'll uh, do a sports physical f- uh, for you to to uh, to get that um, uh, kind of that box checked. Um, and then in mo- most leagues now, even in young kids, will require a uh, a letter saying that they've been seen by a doctor and, mm-hmm. and they're they're eligible for physical activity yeah I'm, I'm filling out a lot of those these this <laughs> month as kids are getting ready to go back to school um which is fine fun i love talking about it because i enjoy sports so i love talking to the um children about their different sports yeah. and their activities yeah. um i would i would i guess add too in terms of overuse injuries some of the most common ones uh that that you possibly could see and if um your kids complaining about it is uh like um the the posterior or the the back of the heel um, kids can have pain there. Um, it has a name. It's called Seavers disease, but it's really just a, a growth plate that's inflamed from overuse and overpulling on the, uh, the bottom of the heel. Um, uh, there's the same thing can happen below the knee, uh, or at the bottom of the kneecap. Um, you can have, uh, uh, some pain there. Um, it can happen around the hip joint. It can happen around the elbow. Um, uh, for, uh, uh, kids that are, are uh, active with um, upper extremity exercises. Yeah. So running, um, jumping, all that kind of stuff too. We see that a lot so. with the when he was talking about the heel and the knee pain. Looks like we have another caller, Vicky from Gulfport. Go ahead, Vicky. Hi. A few years ago I fell and broke my kneecap. So I have two screws and the wire in my knee. I walk, but is it okay for me to start running with that? Uh, sure. Um, I would say the biggest thing is let pain be your guide. Um, uh, if you, you know, a broken uh, kneecap, uh, you can have some pain afterwards. Um, if the pain is, you know, easily, um, relieved by rest and some, uh, over the counter pain medication, Tylenol, ibuprofen or whatever, um, then, you know, starting to run is, is perfectly fine. Um, you probably will have more difficulty with deep flexion. So if you bend your knee deep doing like deep squats or something, that could be a little more painful just because you put more force across the kneecap. But um, there's really no restriction after the fracture for you doing activity uh, as long as uh, it doesn't cause a, you know pain that lingers um, or if, if you have swelling that, that just doesn't go away. Um, and that just means it's more aggravated than it needs to be. But usually there's no problem after you've had surgery uh, you can get back to doing your activities that you want to do. Just take it slow and ease into it. I think that's that's part of the problem. People go back headstrong and just got to take it slow and right. let your body 
get adjusted to it. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank sure. you for your call, Vicki. Okay. Bye-bye. So we have Dr. Matt Miller on with us today. We're talking about orthopedic issues and kids and adults alike. Give us your give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So we've been talking a lot about overuse injuries, and Dr. Miller was bringing up one um, common one that we hear about, and that's on the heels, um, the Severs disease. Um, and he kind of briefly mentioned it. We didn't get into it a lot, but the um, we have a term for it, but it's called Osgood Slaughters. It's a very common cause for knee pain. Um, we see a ton in kids um, that uh run, jump. I mean, I've seen it from basketball players to soccer players to gymnasts. Um, it's, it's just a very common uh, complaint that kids get, uh, that we get a lot from kids for the knee pain. Um, so I, I'm sure he can go into a lot more detail than I can about it, but it's, it's another overuse injury um, that we see a lot from running and jumping. Um, and it's usually going to be not when you actually, they complain of their knee, but when you actually ask them where it hurts, they point to the top of their leg just below the kneecap. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's the same. Um, it's a, it's a, injury to the growth plate um there's some technical terms for it so you if you got diagnosed with this you probably heard a lot of different things but um it's at the the top of the the leg uh, just below the the kneecap um and it can be extremely painful Uh, and you can even have a knot that pops up there it can be red um so sometimes it can you know people can think that they've got a, a an infection or they've got a broken bone um uh, but like you said, it's just an overuse injury. It's just a pull of the 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 tendon that comes from the quads from the front of the leg over the kneecap and inserts on the the proximal part of the leg. Um, uh, unfortunately, the most frustrating thing is that the best way to get rid of it is rest, uh, and then it takes a long uh, a long time for it to to completely uh, heal up. Um, you know, it's people ask us, is, is it safe to play? Um, in general, it is. Uh, you're not going to cause a, a big problem if you continue to play, play through the pain. Um, but you do have to take, uh, have it iced and uh, take um, anti-inflammatories. And then some people even wear um, uh, patella compression, um, you know, little bands around the knee. Um, they, they can provide some relief. Uh, it, Basically, what that does is it it puts some pressure on the tendon, which theoretically will provide some stretch, which can help it heal up. So, yeah. looks like we have another caller, John and Mobile. Go ahead, John. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, I've had tennis elbow for like two and a half months, and um, have been wearing that brace on my forearm, but it just doesn't seem to be doing any good. And someone recommended a uh, wrist brace um does that sound like something that would be beneficial for tennis elbow uh it can be um a lot of times tennis elbow uh, it can be associated with tennis but most people it's from a repetitive uh kind of extension meaning you kind of bring your wrist and your your hand uh, up uh, and back um, yeah that's what happened to me i'm a uh, photographer so in and out in and out yeah. up and down up and down with the camera so right um, and so, uh, what tennis elbow is, is it's an overuse injury. Uh, it's a pull of the muscles that attach on the, the outside part of the elbow. Um, 
the the wrist brace can help just because it decreases the number of times that you're you're raising your wrist up. Um, okay. It again, it's it's similar to the Osgood sliders around the knee. It doesn't necessarily make that go away, um, but if you rest it long enough, it can get better. Um, and that's the, probably the most frustrating thing about any overuse injury is you're doing you're, you're using your your body in something you like to do or you have to do from a profession standpoint um, and that causes pain and there's really not a good way to to completely rest it um, so I, I would say it's it might be worth trying um, but but really a, a, a long rest period of trying to give it a, a, a break is probably the best thing to do and there are okay, things yeah. that we can do with um, anti, you know, take an anti-inflammatory. We can do some injections if you, if you see a, a an orthopedic specialist or somebody who's comfortable doing an injection um, uh, to to try to do some of the non-surgical treatments for it. But but you can't. I can't hurt it any more. I can't injure it any more than it already is by continuing to use it. Yeah. Correct. I mean, it's not going to, other than just, you know, increasing pain, the pain doesn't go away or it takes longer for the pain to kind of subside. Um, that's really the, the, the biggest, uh, uh, damage to it. You're not going to damage the bone. You're not going to, um, you know, uh, um, you know, hurt anything, uh, more than just cause yourself more pain. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks, John. So we're continuing our discussion on orthopedic injuries and sports injuries and anything orthopedic um, with our orthopedic surgeon that we have on today. So we, we've talked about knee pain. We talked about heel pain. Another common one is elbow pain, like John was just talking about. And we see that um, not only in adults, but we see it a lot in kids, like especially baseball players. Um, and it's an overuse injury, um, but it's a little bit different in kids than it is with adults. Right. Um, it is different. And in, in, in kids, it's probably a little more, um, it should be taken a little more seriously because it's typically a pull of the, the ligaments, which, uh, as we talked about earlier, the ligaments uh, are what attaches bones to bones. So they, they go across joints. joints. Uh, so anywhere that bends, you have ligaments that attach each of the bones together. Um, and in children, kids, predominantly throwers, uh, you have uh, stresses that are pulled through those ligaments and those ligaments are typically stronger than the bones. So for in kids and they're growing and their growth plates are, um, are growing. Then when you have that pull, it causes, um, damage to the bone, um, which is different than the overuse injury that, that John was talking about. Um, so that's why the, uh, Academy of Orthopedics and, and the, uh, the POSNA organization, um, and I think the Academy of Pediatrics too, they have, you know, pitch counts or mm-hmm. throwing counts mm-hmm. on kids. Um, and uh, it's, it's really important. Um, you know, very few kids make it to college and professional <laughs> sports, but if you want them to, um, you've got to make sure they're resting uh, because uh, you, you can cause permanent damage uh, that, that would affect their ability to, to continue to do those activities as, as an adult. So. Yes, very true. Looks like we have another caller, Michael from Waveland. Michael, Good go morning. ahead. Good morning. Um, around July 4th, I had woke up with pain in my left knee and um, waited a, a few weeks because I went on vacation with it. It never went away. I had a cortisone shot on Monday. And then today I went back to the same doctor, and um, 
it still hurts. So I, I'm waiting on getting an appointment with someone. And um, I was wondering what the possibilities are. I'm 68, but um, I was wondering, could it be like the degeneration of the bone or could it be brusitis or or uh, arthritis? Do you have possibly a clue on why it's persistent? Sure. Um, this is actually more in my wheelhouse <laughs> um, in terms of... Uh, of um, knee kind of knee and hip problems in, in adults but the um the easiest thing is is once you get an x-ray you can look and see what the joint looks like uh just on the x-ray if the jo- if the x-ray shows that the joint has degenerative changes meaning that there are signs that you have basically arthritis in the knee um then most likely the persistent pain is caused by the arthritis it's extremely common um you know you, you can't probably can't uh you know, go anywhere without seeing somebody who's had a knee or hip replacement. So arthritis is very common. Um, if the knee on x-ray looks normal, um, then it can be uh, a problem with uh, the meniscus. The meniscus is a kind of a gasket or a bumper pad inside the knee that helps um, distribute the forces through the joint. Um, and, and that can be torn. Um, and uh, a lot of times an injection uh, like you had will make that go away. Um, but if if it continues to get uh, continues to hurt, uh, then the next step would be to kind of to get an MRI uh, to see if if there is a tear. If there is a tear, then um, we can kind of gauge how big or or uh, if we think doing kind of an arthroscopic procedure where we use the, use the small camera portals um, uh, to fix it. Um, uh, you know, sixty eight, um, and if you've had some pain in your knee over time, it is probably arthritis um but you know if your knee looks completely normal it could be a meniscus tear there's you know age doesn't exclude that so yeah and and sometimes if you have bad arthritis you're going to be more prone to having a meniscal tear so it actually could be kind of a combination of things sure yeah well i'm I'm fairly healthy and i don't really strain uh physically um you know i do walks and what have you and i'm off for the summer because I work for a high school, sure. and just out of the blue, it started hurting one morning. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really uh, it's kind of interesting that that we will see people with you know pretty advanced arthritis who it never hurt until all of a sudden, uh, and then we take a look and it's like, well, I mean, you know, your kind of your options are we can um, you know, give you some anti-inflammatories, we can give you an injection, or we got to start talking about you know a knee replacement. Um, well, yeah, knee replacement. That's all they need. I can't I, say that <laughs> from yeah. from talking to you. But, but my doctor did give me uh, inflammatory uh, prescription that's right. allowed today. Yeah. yeah. And Good. those those injections usually take a few days before you you feel the full effects of them. Um, they don't yeah. they don't kick in right away. So if you just got it Monday, you may by next week you may see a little bit more benefit from that injection. True. Really. Yeah, they. I mean, they they work pretty quickly, but sometimes they take a little bit longer, and in, in some more than others. Right. Yeah. So you you usually okay. feel a little bit of improvement fairly quickly because most of the time we put a little lidocaine in there, um, but once the lidocaine wears off, then it takes a little bit time for the steroid to take effect. So hopefully within the next couple of days you'll be getting a little bit pain relief with that from that injection. Oh, I I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for your call. 
All right. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Um, so I, I was thinking we could kind of break away from the broken. Oh, we'll take a break real quick. Um, we'll continue our discussion about children and orthopedic issues right after this break. Give us a call with your questions and comments. one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we have Dr. Matt Miller, an orthopedic surgeon, on with us, and we're talking about common orthopedic issues in children, also adults. We've had several adult callers today as well um, asking questions about themselves, and we're happy to answer anything. Um, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So it looks like we got a couple of callers. We'll try to get to them before the show's out. We've got Fred in Petal. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, how y'all doing? We're doing good. How about you? All right. Uh, doing good. Before you cut me off, I want to wish Dr. Rick DeShazo a happy possum-eating uh, holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we... All right, but this is what I'm calling for. When you, uh, a lot of times you get, like, a steroid in a uh, joint, like in the knee or something, several la- days later or, th- or that afternoon you get a severe headache for several days. What is actually in the shot that gives you the headache? And I'm going to hang up and listen and tell me uh, anything you know about that. All right. All right, um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, typically, they're, usually in those uh, injections, there'll be some local anesthetic, lidocaine or bupivacaine, um, and uh, some steroid uh so nothing in the shot necessarily causes a headache. Um, now we, you know, we will hear all uh, a multitude of, of post-injection um, complaints. Um, usually, they're localized to the joint um, itself. Um, so I don't have a great explanation for that. Um, I you know I, I guess maybe steroid sensitivity, um, but it's it's pretty uncommon um, that specific complaint. I haven't heard it a lot. Um, yeah. So. I haven't heard that much either. So, um, but you know, like, and most of the time we are injecting, you know, the the numbing medicine like the lidocaine and the steroid. Um, but those are usually into the joint space, so you don't get a lot of absorption um, systemically. So, like throughout the body. So, I, I don't know necessarily think that those medications are causing it, and I think it's probably safe for you to get another one. Um, I'm not sure if maybe something else was going on during the day or if. Um, I don't know. Maybe got yeah. up too quickly after the injection if they had you laying down, sure. and um, maybe something like that. Because a lot of times we 
some people sit up for them, but some people lay down, mm-hmm. depending on what you're getting injected, if maybe part of that may be playing a role in it. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think it's the medications. Sure. Um, and I think it would be safe for you to get another one because a lot of times people get these a couple of times a year. So if you needed another one in the future, I think the biggest thing is that it'd be safe for you. It, I don't think it's the medications that are doing it. Yep. Um, we go out next. We'll go to Steve in Ocean Springs. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, hi. Um, I was intrigued by the comments about the ligaments causing injury to the bone. I've not heard that before. And uh, I'm not a adolescent. I'm, I'm 70, and I went to a dance workshop uh, two hours on Saturday, which involved a bunch of um, not stomping, but close to stomping with the heel and uh so that was saturday midday sunday evening my right heel um was started giving me a little bit of pain and then it progressed throughout the evening and and monday um tuesday it started to get a little bit better and then yesterday um it's almost back to normal so if, if if it was a that bone injury, um, you know, with with us getting our bones getting older, it might be as as tender as as a young person's right bones. Uh, they might have the same characteristics there. So, what do you think about that? So, sure, yeah. If you know, as people get older, they get uh, osteopenia, osteoporosis, which are just terms that mean the bone density has gotten uh, weaker. Um, and so it is possible to have what we would call as an avulsion fracture, meaning the, the ligament or tendon pulls really hard against the bone and it causes it to break. Um, kind of what we're referring to for the kids is those ligaments are attached across uh, their growth plates and they're pulling on the growth plates and the growth plates are weaker than the bones. Uh, um, I'm sorry, the ligaments are stronger than the bones. Um, and so that can cause uh, kind of a, a, a tense uh, a, a tension injury. Um, so yes, it, it can happen with softer bone uh, if you have osteopenia, osteoporosis, um, uh, and then it can also get to the point in adults where that tendon actually has some inflammation and some pain where it inserts into the bone because there's kind of a transition period in the in the biology. Um, so it definitely is possible, I would say, that if it got better over a few days, that it was more of an, an, an inflammatory response. You just aggravated the insertion site of the tendon or ligament. Um, and the, uh, you know, luckily for you, you didn't have a broken bone because they don't, they don't heal quite that quick. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for your calls. We appreciate your questions and comments. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. I want to thank Dr. Matt Miller for coming on with us today and answering all our questions. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.